passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. And welcome into the Friday edition of Spits and Suds. So great for you guys to join us today. I'm Gavin Spittle of 105.3 The Fan. And I am joined by EP Ringside and Shapshot and D Magazine's Sean Shapiro. After Sean pens a terrific article on Jason Robertson. You can find it. Uh, I'm sure Sean retweeted it at Sean Shapiro. I also retweeted it at GJ Spittle. It's a a terrific deep dive into Jason Robertson growing up, the Robertson family, uh, the fact that the Robertson, the dad's trip just happened, and uh, just how the NHL is going to um, make Robertson one of those household names, so to speak. So uh, how'd you think of the article, Sean? And uh, I want to give you kudos. It was a terrific article. It was a great deep dive. Oh, thank you. Thank you for that. And uh, yeah, I had been, uh, it's something where I'd been with Mike Pelusi, who's the editor over at, at D Magazine, at, at Dallas Magazine. He and I have been talking about uh, how do we find, how do we how do we do a big takeaway? How do we find a big story to write about Jason Robertson? Which space do we go with this? And him and I had kicked around a couple ideas and, and everything like that. And the story itself, um, You've seen a lot of coverage of Jason Robertson, understandably so this season, about his how well he's been playing. Obviously, there was the contract issue before the season. There's and and all all of this stuff. And we I kind of wanted to go and take a step back and go deeper and go closer at the same time. Of why is this guy so important? Why is what Jason Robertson's bringing to the stars? Why is this so vital to this franchise, not just from putting pucks into the net, but what it represents for hockey in the United States, hockey in Texas, hockey in the Sun Belt, and how his story 
and his personality and all of that other stuff combined play such a larger role than just how many goals he scores. And it's that, that was the story I wanted to tell. And it allowed us to kind of go in through the history of the family history. And you got a kid who, um, growing up he's from LA grew up watching Kings games, three hockey playing brothers. They, they had an RV, they would drive an RV over the interstate in Hawaii in, 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 in uh, not Hawaii, sorry, over the interstate in California to, to get to the rink so that they could uh, basically have a mobile hockey center in the parking lot. while one, one of the other brothers was practicing. It's such a, such a great story. And I wanted to basically step back and, and look at, Hey, why is this so important? And, why are we going to continue and how is this going to keep evolving? Because this kid is, he's so vital to not just the stars, but hockey in general going forward. I, I think what I also loved about it was you highlighted the whole family and that the, um, don't really know what the sister's doing now, but the brother seems super successful over in Germany. And of course, Jason and Nick and, and, you know, it comes back to mom and dad and, uh, I know the stars highlighted dad on the trip and, uh, you know, you see the typical sports dad, so to speak, and not to stereotype, but you know, like kind of just like, come on, son, do this. Come on, you can do it and everything. And it just seems like Jason Robertson's dad just wants him to be Jason and is just, you know, seems like encouragement is the way to go. And it was just, I love how you highlighted that part of the story where yes, hockey was certainly the focus of the story but I also love the family story. Yeah. Hugh is a, they give a quick shout out to just, there's only so much you can finish a story. So uh, Brie Robertson, Jason's younger sister is actually a, uh, I, I think she's come. She recently came back from an ACL injury. She's a, she's a, she's a uh, mixed martial artist actually based out of Austin right now. Okay. Actually. So Brie is uh, someone who, if you're on the MMA scene, the the Brie Robertson is in fact part of the Robertson family as well. Uh, but to to get to to mom and dad to to Hugh Robertson, um, I've always I've I've told I've spoken to Hugh quite a few times, and it's always it's been incredibly refreshing every time I talk to him about his kids, and whether it's Jason, whether it's Nick, whether it's Michael, whether it's Brie, like he talks about Michael's Mike Michael's business stuff and him going to school with the same energy he talks about Jason playing for the Dallas Stars he talks about Breeze MMA like he's just he just kind of sits back and he he's kind of that uh that dad that just kind of sits he, he's definitely involved but like in the moment he's he's like kind of you know how you sometimes hear, you'll sometimes hear people will say like, oh, it goes by so fast with kids and everything like that. Hugh is someone who I feel like has kind of realized that life goes by so fast. And so he kind of takes every moment to just kind of be there and just trying to soak it all in with what the kids are doing and everything like that. It's kind of a, it's kind of a fun thing to see. And it's, you can kind of get that feeling when talking to him, you get that feeling when talking to his kids and you get the same feeling from his wife, Mercedes too, who was, they basically have always been that like their kids were involved, but we're also going to, we're going to be spectators. So one of the coolest things we get to watch is what our is watching our kids grow up and, and being part of it at the same time. I like how you did get the Austin Matthews mention in there because he is an American of Mexican heritage. Um, and obviously it's great with, the nature of Jason Robertson being 
uh, Filipino-American. And we talked about this on the podcast, and I loved how you mentioned this in the article as well. When Winnipeg did a Filipino night uh, because of the population up there, uh, really cool that the um, Winnipeg had asked and the Stars obliged to have Jason Robertson come to you know, be a part of the uh, puck ceremony. And I thought that was really cool. And And it seems as though, and you point out in the article, that the comfort level in, in which he knows he's representing an entire community, um, he's aware of it now and he embraces it. And, it. and it's something, too, where, understandably so, I mean, he's only 20, Jason's only 23. So it's it's something where you feel like that can be a lot of pressure. And it's... I think the way Jason has kind of grown into it is why he's able to step into that uh, leadership, mentorship, whatever role, whatever you have, you want to define that role because he's kind of been able to grow into it. He was always, he didn't feel like he was, he had to succeed because he represented a group of people, but now that he has succeeded, he realizes looking back, he realizes some things, how he can be an inspiration, how he can do that. And, I think, and it was important to me, obviously, to mention Austin Matthews, because Matthew's story is important. But I think there is such a value, too, in Jason having a player like Jason Robertson. I think his story goes a little bit further when he's playing in a place like Dallas. Like Austin Matthews, as much as great as his story is, being in Hockey Mad Toronto, Every Austin Matthews story gets really wrapped up in what Austin Matthews done on, has done has done on the ice, and I think sometimes with as as well covered and over covered Toronto players are, I think sometimes they get dehumanized almost. Like I think the Austin Matthews story would be better shared and maybe have a little more impact if he wasn't playing in Toronto, just because it would be a spot he would be allowed to grow the game as opposed to have to try to help a team get past the second round of the playoffs for the first time in forever. Like I, I think the Robertson story is able to take on a life even bigger because he's playing in Dallas in a place where we still care about growing the game. And I think that's something that Matthews kind of lacks right now, just for, because of where he is. And Robertson is great. It's he's playing. He came from a Sunbelt market. He's net. He grew up in a Sunbelt market. He's playing now in hockey's quote unquote Sunbelt. And you have people like I thought one of the coolest things about so after the story published, I had some people tweet back to me about how they've seen people at a public they they've met people who are Asian Americans or Filipino Americans who um, have tried public skating because of Jason Robertson or they were they know about the stars and they know about a hockey because of Jason Robertson. That to me is one of the coolest things where you can be like someone can look and be like, hey, this sport can be for me and as much a, and the demographics of this sport for so long, if you were just looking at the faces on the bench, it would be hard. If you were someone from a, a, that community, it would be hard sometimes to look and see, okay, this sport is built for me. Jason is breaking barriers in that way. Yeah, he absolutely is. And and that's why um, please go back and listen to our interview earlier this week with Hannah Bilka uh, of mm-hmm. Boston college and USA uh, women's hockey. Yeah. And she is from Capel because it's a similar story. When you see Hannah Bilka on the ice, not only is it amazing um, as someone who's in youth hockey, male or female, to say, wow, I can make it in North Texas. Um, I might have to join travel squads, but the potential is there. But now 
on top of that, you have a female, just like Jason Robertson, a Filipino American. I mean, these are difference makers. And yeah. it, it really is cool to, to highlight stories like this. And I, I'm sure the Jones kids get this too, as well, being two North Texas kids and being African American and, you know, showing that, you know what, hockey is all inclusive um, because it's not the cheapest sport to play. And there is a lot of sacrifice from the parents. Maybe more sacrifice than any other sport, probably soccer or, I mean, travel baseball's ridiculous now. It's uh, It takes a lot to get there. So so kudos and uh, terrific uh, article, Sean. Uh, and if you don't see it, uh, you know, I, I just Googled it. I just Googled Jason Robertson's name and it comes up right away. Uh, so that's great that you're getting a lot of views on it. And Jason Robertson uh, is named to his first NHL All-Star team. And uh, that's well-deserved, and we're all happy. Some Stars fans were wondering, though, with the current format, where does that leave other Stars? And the one that was talked about most was Jake Ottinger. The, and the, the format, I actually, the, the current, so for everyone who's not, whoever, for the quick uh, rundown for everyone, all-star format now is at three on three. You have every team gets one player and then everyone else. Now every team gets one player and now everyone gets voted in the rest of the spots get voted in two skaters, one goalie per division. Um, I actually don't mind that format to an extent. I don't mind the voting to fill out the, I think it's, you want people to have fans in there. Um, my issue becomes, um, I think my issue becomes you start to find there's certain people, there's certain spots that shouldn't be left up to voting because the one goalie and it's just the nature of, and this is, it's it's the nature of how other players on their respective teams are playing. And it's the nature of his team, not really having the skaters worthwhile. UC Saros is the third best goalie in the central division. Like that's just, 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 Yep, straight up. Connor Connor Hellebuck and Jake Ottinger should be the two goalies for the Central Division. Absolutely. Connor Helle Connor Hellebuck is an MVP candidate. Yep. And you're telling me right now, like obviously Jake Ottinger's story is great. Jake Ottinger sh- should be in the All-Star game, but you're telling me now this format has created this problem where Jake Ottinger has to be in the All-Star game at expense of at the expense of Connor Hellebuck, and that's not right because Connor Hellebuck should be in the All-Star game. And so Jake, the fact that we have to choose between Connor Hellebuck and Jake Ottinger is the, is the flaw here where it's, it's not really fair to Jake Ottinger and Connor Hellebuck that Nashville didn't have another player really that could go as a skater. And that if Dallas had taken Ottinger, well, Robertson would have to be voted in. And if Winnipeg had taken Hellebuck, then all of a sudden Josh Morrissey would have to be voted in. It's, it's just kind of it's it's a it's a flaw kind of in the system and and I I've I've proposed I think the solution is we have thirty two teams we I, I think there needs to be more guys in the All Star game honestly I think I think the spot is like I'm fine with you having one I'm fine with the one player per team rule I get the you need you need to be able to promote it across the league you need to be able to give people in Chicago a reason to watch and everything like that. But I would argue that I don't see the issue with adding 16 more all-stars four per division. It's three on three game. The guys are there just to have fun anyway and relax. What's the issue with instead 
adding four more per team, which allows you to make sure everyone gets in. Like, even if even if we want to take off our stars colored glasses for this, yep. The fact that Leon Dreisaitl has to be voted into the All Star game, yeah. is ridiculous. Yeah, it is that's ridiculous. ridiculous. Yep, like that, that's ridiculous. The second leading scorer in the league should not have to be voted into the All Star game. Yeah. So, I, I I would say I like what they're doing. I like allowing the voting. Just get me a setup where hey, you can get. Let's just expand the rosters a bit. It's a thirty-two team league now. It's okay. It's not going to cost. It's just cost you a couple more hotel nights from the league, and and then we make sure that then you make sure it's well represented. That's that's kind of where I would go with this. I actually enjoy the skills competition more than the actual game. Oh, hundred hundred percent. Yeah. The the uh, I, I I was saying this to someone today or maybe yesterday, whatever. Um, I want the all like I I miss the All Star Game being fun. Like I miss the all like I remember as a kid watching the All Star Game and looking forward to it, and I'm not sure. I always looking back, I'm not sure if it's a revisionist. I was a kid and I grew up in an age like this would be a great question for kids today. Like for me, one of the one of the great things about the All-Star game was I was still at I still grew up in the age, Gavin, and tell me if you get the same feeling. It wasn't I couldn't watch my favorite player no matter what team they were on every single night. Correct. I had to wait for them to be on national TV. And I yes. think that's what made the All-Star game exciting for me it's like oh i get to watch this guy every single night i i, I mean i get to watch this guy and i get to watch right. this best player if you're in today's day and age and it's great with what technology has done but if you're a kid growing up if you're a kid growing up in in manitoba or uh alabama no matter where you live you can watch austin matthews you can watch jason robertson you can watch them play every single night you don't have to wait for that national televised game and i wonder if just kind of as games became more readily available, it kind of killed off the appeal of, oh, I get to see my, I get, I have, it's a chance to watch the best players. I wonder if that kind of killed it off. I think it did. And I think, I think so. And it's, and I think the other thing too, is I think the NHL got too attached to this three on three format for the all-star game, because they, the reason it worked in year one was the whole John Scott fiasco. Mm -hmm. John Scott got voted in and there was, and the million dollar prize was there and the players were ticked off at the league for how John Scott had been given the runaround. And so they legitimately wanted to play and win for John Scott. Since then, as much as you and I would love to share a million dollars, you and I winning a million dollars and sharing with a bunch of others doesn't really have the, uh, that's not, that doesn't have the same pull for guys who are making, I mean, we, we know Jason Robertson signed a deal where he's making $7 million this year. The Central Division wins the All-Star game. He's going to get one eleventh of a million dollars. Yeah. Not, not nothing to sneeze at, but like it's 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 not really money that is it's not money that these guys are going to put block shots for, honestly. It's right. not really that but it's and so I I just I don't know I don't know the best way to fix it. I don't know the best way to solve it. I I would argue that maybe maybe the best way is to just uh beef up the skills competition. One idea that I've, that I've tried to push is I, and I think the NHL did this a little bit last year when they brought Trevor Zegers in for the skills competition, even though he wasn't an all-star. Um, one of the things I, I like that the NBA skills competition, you don't have to be an all-star to be in the NBA skills competition. You can just be the best three point shooter. You can just be the best dunker. You can just be whatever. Like we have this data now, and I've pitched this a couple different places now, but I'll keep pitching it here because I want someone to do this. I want the NHL to be like, okay, 
we have this data that we have this puck and player tracking. Let's take the guys who have the 12 hardest shots in a game this season, just raw data. Okay. We know these are the 12 hardest shots taken in the NHL this season. Let's bring all 12 of them to Florida and get a true hardest shot champion, not the hardest shot of the guys who happen to be at the all-star game. And then do the same thing with the fastest skater. Let's yeah. find me the 12 guys that you've tracked where it's like, Hey, we have uh like, for example, like I always thought like uh, a guy like Andreas uh, Athanasiu, Andreas Athanasiu will never make an all would never make an all-star game, but he's one of the fastest guys in the NHL. I'd love to see him in the fastest skater competition. Bring me the 12 fastest guys and uh, give me a true fastest skater competition. Like start building some of that stuff and then just beef up the skills competition even more because the game itself just becomes a, I mean, I, 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 I would turn on the TV for the skills competition. I don't know about the all-star game anymore. Yeah, uh, I agree. I mean, I learned who Terrence Stansbury was in the NBA because he could dunk for the Indiana Pacers and he was in the dunk competition for a few years in a row. I wouldn't have known him otherwise. Um, to your other point, Sean, I saw Wayne Gretzky play two times a year. Yeah. And I look back at those days and that was like must watch because the great one was playing and I could actually watch it. Um, and yeah, you're right. I, I think that especially with YouTube too, um, mm -hmm. you know, these highlights are right in front of you and oh, yeah. I understand it. And I think for knowledge of the game, it's wonderful, but I agree it's watered down in some aspects. And, you know, that's why the all-star game in baseball was so big because if you were in an American League city, you never saw these National League players, and likewise. So it was like a big deal. Unless your team was in the World Series, you didn't get to see any National League players play on your field. So, um, yeah, fascinating. Happy for Jason Robertson. Hopeful that, you know, uh, Jake Ottinger um, gets in. Uh, we will see. I agree with you. They definitely need to expand it um, because there should be no players. I mean, a guy like Connor Hellebuck should not be – left out i'm guessing leon dreisaitl will get voted in but the fact that it has to come to that point is yeah you know it looks like you know probably needs some uh needs some changes i do like um was it a couple of years ago where they brought some females in for fastest skate uh la they did last, last year, year. yeah done, they, what, last year wasn't the they did it they did it before that bef they won before the covid year i think they yeah did too but they also did it last year too yeah i i, I like things like that i mean I think that the more quote unquote bits that you can incorporate and highlight other aspects for the great game of hockey, um, the better. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance but hurry in these deals won't last add more joy to your journey at the hyundai getaway sales event 
Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. So, I wanted to ask you, as a guy who covered the Stars and covered the NHL, a lot of the talk after the losses in L.A. and Anaheim were, um, we have some practice days now. And mm-hmm. break down for us what that means. I know it's a chance for rest, but I'm assuming it's also a chance to kind of basically reinforce the basics. Like, for instance, face-off draws, um, that was a big factor in the in the games. Uh, the lack of power play production after being a terrific power play. Um, that struggled the other night in Anaheim. So is that what they're talking about when they say, you know, we get some practice time? That and, I mean, I think the nature of how the NHL schedule is now, there's not enough practice time in general. It's something where with the, with, I think you have, you don't get as, you go through stretches where, like, for example, the Stars this week, um, they had a travel day Monday. You're not, and, and then a back to back Tuesday, Wednesday in California. Um, you have, like, even Monday's a travel day. You play Tuesday, you play Wednesday. After a back to back's Thursday, it's a late night travel day back. I mean, that's four days in a row with zero practice. I think people don't realize how, uh, how little teams actually get to practice or where a fully formed, Hey, healthy bodies out there for an hour. And just, and by not playing till Sunday, the stars are going to have probably, they'll probably have a short practice, probably had a short practice uh, Thursday. We'll have a full practice today, get another full practice in like, that's such a rare experience in the NHL schedule nowadays to have that type of time to actually work and prep and get ready away from the so much now is game management energy management figuring things out on the fly so as much as you may want to work on a power play or break it down for 45 minutes coaches don't really have the time it just becomes walkthroughs and short drills here and there so when they're talking about practice time they're talking about hey we can actually work on things and tweak things and fix things and not have to worry about figuring out if it works in a game six hours later that's really what they're talking about and it's just, it's such a, it's such a valuable thing. And it's something that, and it's also for, from a player perspective, it's, uh, and I'm going to go a little, get a little bit nuanced on here, but it's a reason why it's, it's, it's practice time is one of the biggest debates you have when it comes to the uh, development models for um, right now, Gavin, I know you as a, as a college hockey fan, you know, this college hockey teams play Friday and Saturday, right? Mm-hmm. And that leaves Monday through Thursday for four days of practice every week, four days for guys to work on skills, four days for guys to get into the weight room, four days for everything. And it's, it's great. But some people would say, Oh, you need to play more games and you go to the, the junior hockey route and they're playing close to an NHL schedule and they don't get much practice time. And you basically have to figure it out in games and you don't get that individual skill time to work and build stuff. And just it at the NHL level, these guys are supposed to be ready. I get it. But the game would be better on a whole if there was more practice time. It's just, it's just, I, I don't know. It, it's that, that comes down to a debate of like, that's, that's one of my biggest issues with, there was the story that surfaced a couple of weeks back about the NHL and looking to 
play 84 an 84 game season to get two more games on the schedule and as much as we all love hockey and and obviously you're listening to this show or you're Gavin and I talking on here as much as we love the sport just you keep adding games and I'm a guy who's who just I start to believe addition by subtraction like you would have a better NHL if, if the NHL only played for example just I'm going to be extreme here if the NHL only played 70 regular season games you would have you wouldn't have schedule losses you would have a better product on a nightly basis like I was looking at the schedule tonight um Nashville and Washington are playing tonight in Washington both teams are playing the second game of a back-to-back both teams are using their backup goalie it's a nothing burger of a game yeah it's like honestly it's a nothing burger of a game like do we we really want to expand the schedule to get more nothing burgers like I I I just it's I I've always been a proponent of you should play you we need games but if teams were able to practice more the game would be better the hockey would be better and we would we would have less nothing games like the the stars performance in Anaheim. That was a nothing game. I want less nothing games. Yeah. Has there's the Bren thought of, and I don't know if they could do that because there are so many games, but similar to what the NBA is doing where they'll stay in a city for a couple of days now, you know, better for travel, better for rest, yeah. keep the legs the NBA, fresh. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan Taves is actually from a player perspective. Jonathan Taves has actually been pretty uh, vocal about, um, pushing for the baseball type schedule, they call it, where it's like, hey, you play like a series of almost and everything like that. And um, the fact that you have a bigger name player like Taves pushing for it, and the fact it's at least um, the concern has been heard, is from my understanding of it. I don't know if there's enough, I don't know if there's enough uh, smoke to the fire for it to happen, but it is at least on the radar of the people who make decisions in the NHL. And two more quickies for Sean Shapiro. Uh, Stars play on Sunday. One of the things that um, we saw the other night was um, a rest day or a scratch for Colin Miller. And, um, you know, that was kind of interesting. Uh, But I was wondering, do you think the Stars will do that for Wyatt Johnston? And the reason is, is that, you know, we all know that he made that huge jump. Yeah, he's young. And yes, he's having a great season. But. You know, that's a big leap, and will the rookie wall take place for Wyatt Johnson at some point? Um, I don't think you do that for Wyatt unless his play has reached a level of where you're like, hey, you need to take a step back and watch. Because I truly believe there is, um, I, I think there's a real value. If you're a rookie and you can play 82 games, I think that's such such a great tone for your career. Like, so I I think if I, and I don't know if the stars agree with me on this, but I personally have the belief that if, as long as Wyatt Johnston play hasn't gone to a level where you need to step him back and pull him back and make him watch a game from the press box or something like that, I want him to play 82 games because I think the experience of learning how to manage your body through an 82 game schedule and just getting to that, I know it's just a number, but getting to that nice round number and playing a hundred percent of the games I think that can set such a, such a tone for a career. And I, I think personally, I would hope the stars keep him in the lineup and don't, unless, unless his play necessitates, don't pull him out. Colin Miller's different because he's already a pro. He knows that getting a rest is okay. He knows how to play a full season and everything like that. But for a guy fresh early in his career, 
I want to see him play 82 games. I want to see if he can do it. And I want to see how he does. And um, I, I, I don't want to overthink it. Now, if we're you're watching the game and you're like, man, that play's lagging, it's time. Okay, fine. But if it's not, keep him in. So. And finally, uh, we just had the uh, World Juniors and uh, NHL.com. The headline says, whoa, Canada. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that says a lot <laughs> about what happened. Uh, you know, it's just so funny. After our conversation about Bedard, I just keep looking at these teams and looking at the fit. And mm-hmm. it's it's really fascinating, you know, to see where um, he's going to land. And I'm also fascinated that, you know, and this is off subject of Bedard and Team Canada, um, but at the same time, I'm also fascinated that an arena we all made fun of in Arizona is now a tough barn to play in. And to me, that like is kind of a cool, like it kind of has me wanting to watch Arizona home games. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, there it's a, it's an it's a unique spot in the NHL. And that's something that as much as uh I'm not trying to rip on Florida here, but for example, like when, when Florida has had attendance issues, they've actually been a pretty good team at home because it's such a weird vibe to play in. And they're actually used to it and other teams come in and it's not, you don't get the energy to feed off of it now. So I I do think there is some familiarity thing there for the coyotes where, Hey, we're used to playing in this and the other teams come in and you're like, Oh, this is off. This is weird. It's awkward. And after, and by the time you get caught up in that, um, I, I do think there's a bit of that to play at play in there. And I do think that uh, having been in smaller venues and things like that, you have, it is, does get louder in there than 5,000 people looks like because of how small it is. It's just like, you could be in a, in a you could be in a, you could be in a room with a small, tiny room with 15 people and it would feel like a thousand because of how tight it feels. Yeah. I think that's kind of how it can feel at times you can feel like things are right on top of you. And the one thing I hope that they're able to do um, that Arizona, I hope that Arizona would do it. Um, I don't know if any, no other NHL team will do it because those seats cost too much, but I would hope that maybe part of your deal with Tempe is like, you find a way to keep that student section vibe um, close to the ice because uh, no other NHL team will do it because there's, those seats cost too much, but I do think there's something cool about having the student section, having that, it gives a little bit of a college vibe to it. I think there's something nice about that. And uh, the issue is it just comes down to, it's too, it's, it costs you too much money to to do that, to, to give up on that um, for most teams. But maybe if you're Arizona and you're working on a deal with the university and you're thinking of goodwill, maybe that's a, maybe that's, maybe that's a fit. I don't know. Yeah. It's a, so, it's, it's a cool who, story, but I'm sure yeah. there are some fan bases in Arizona, in Ottawa. Um, I'm sure there are people in Anaheim that were like, no, don't win. <laughs> don't win. We yeah. got a guy in the world, world juniors that had, 23 points, nine goals, 14 assists in a tournament. Amazing. Yeah. Just, yeah. just a, just a game changer. I am so excited to see what he can do in the NHL. And it's going to be a, it's going to be a fun watch. And for that matter, there are so many youngsters in the NHL. And we started this podcast with Jason Robertson, but I mean, there are so many youngsters coming through the NHL with just mad skills and it's just becoming 
such a r- talent rich game. So it's a it's a lot yeah. of fun to watch. Well, hopefully we get uh, back on the winning track and two points in uh, against Florida on Sunday. You are a beast. For those that didn't hear the beginning of this podcast, uh, go to or just Google Jason Robertson and Sean wrote a piece for. Uh, D Magazine, that is absolutely terrific. Or go to D Magazine and you can find it. And uh, congratulations and uh, kudos as well, sir. And uh, we will talk to you on Monday. Sounds great. Everyone have a good weekend. And uh, yeah, thanks again, Gavin. And that's going to do it for Spits and Suds on 105.3 The Fan. As we mentioned, we did two great interviews this week. We had Hannah Bilkin from Capels. The Capel native is now part of Team USA, and she was a terrific interview talking about her North Texas ties and what she misses about North Texas. And then we did a deep dive with Brian Ray, who you uh, watch on uh, Bally Sports Southwest. Uh, Brian's a terrific guy, great stars knowledge, and uh, we got behind the scenes of what Brian's like behind the camera. It was a lot of fun. So terrific episodes this week on Spits and Suds. Thank you so much for supporting this program. Just like, favorite, retweet it, and uh, we'd love to hear your feedback, and we'll talk to you soon. Have a great weekend, everybody.